It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. Everybody's attention might have been drawn to the big upset in the Manchester Derby, but if it weren't for the correct application of a bad rule, another upset would have shaken up the relegation picture. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as almost always, by Jared. Jared, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay, Mike. How about yourself? I am doing well. It's good to see you back on the mend. Good to be back. And uh, if nothing else, it saves me from, from trying to figure out how to make things work with half the team talking over a phone and half the team here locally. So... Uh, it's not so much that I'm happy to see you healthy, it's that you're relieving me of all the stress of trying to put this thing together with you at home. Anything I can do to help you out. So. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so like I said, uh, I, I, the Manchester Derby had an impressive uh, upset that we'll talk about in greater detail later, uh, but there was another game this weekend that was a big upset that could have shaken up the relegation picture were it not for a game last week. So if we uh, want to step into the Wayback Machine for a moment, last week there were some midweek games, and one of them featured Tottenham Hotspur against Fulham, a nice little London derby. Um, I believe it was at um, Craven Cottage, so Fulham was hosting, and Spurs got an early goal to go up 1-0. It seemed relatively normal Fulham's not that great a team they're in the relegation zone Spurs you know are, are better than than some of their losses or draws would suggest so yeah this makes sense that Spurs should be winning this game fast forward a little ways and the ball is down in uh, Spurs area and the ball's in the penalty area Spurs defender Davinson Sanchez tries to clear it out of the penalty area and he ends up hitting Fulham player Mario Lamina's left wrist. Now, Lamina was maybe six feet away when this happened, and Sanchez struck it pretty good. Um, ball bounces off of Lamina and rolls over to Josh Maja for Fulham, who scores. But 
But VAR comes into the picture, and VAR looks things over and decides that uh, the ball hitting Lamina's wrist was an illegal handball, and so therefore no goal. So what could have been a 1-1 draw ended up at the end of the game being a 1-0 win for Spurs. Now, I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm good with that. As a, a person who appreciates good soccer, however, uh, I can be honest enough to say that Fulham kind of got jobbed. They did. And, I mean, one question I have that I haven't been able to answer to my satisfaction, sort of looking over the laws of the game, uh, I thought that they fixed all of this earlier in the year. Well, I thought they had too, and, and I thought I understood you know, there's obviously a, a deliberate component to it. You, we can take that out of the picture right away. You know, Lamina did nothing sure. deliberately. But barring the deliberation aspect of it, it's usually supposed to be based on how far away your appendage is from your main yeah, torso. Yeah, the unnatural right. position. Um, you know, and, and, and usually they, you know, if it's right against your body, they usually have never counted that which I think was pretty close to what Lamina's uh, wrist was at. No more than than an inch or two. Right. Um, and, and certainly not above his shoulder or anything crazy like that. Absolutely. And then, you know, you could kind of say if your your arm or hand was, was six inches away from your body, it's probably a coin flip whether or not you get a call. And if your, your arm was a foot or greater, yeah. you're going to get you're going to get called on it. And I sort of understood that as a rule and is, and you know, even though that's sort of subjective, there's an objective component to that that's based on measurement, and yeah. it made sense to me. Right. Um, so I don't understand the call based on the rules uh, as I understand them. So Yeah. So I, I think it was just serendipity and not any, like, intentional, um, like, emergency meeting. I think this was their annual meeting. As it turns out, also last week, the International Football Association Board, IFAB, uh, was having their annual meeting. Now, these are the guys who basically are the uh, the owners of the laws of football, as they say. You know, these are the the custodians of the rule book, the writers and custodians of the rule book. So, anytime there's going to be a change in, and, and these are the rules like globally for for international professional um, play. Like these are the rules FIFA follows. So these are the these are the guys to go to if there's going to be a rule change uh, or maybe even an interpretation. But they were having their annual meeting last week. And among other things, to include potentially tweaking the offside rule, which we're not going to get into, but among other things, uh, they tweaked or at least gave further clarification, let's say, with respect to the handball rule. A clarification that if it were in effect for last week's Spurs-Fulham match would have resulted in that goal counting and uh, presumably the game ending in a draw. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of sports fans don't ever like, to, particularly in a, like a sport like baseball, for example, you never want to get into the whole, well, if only that call had gone our way, then the run would have scored and we would have won the game. You know, there's that fourth inning play that you're blaming for the loss. You know, too many other yeah. things happen. You potentially play differently if the score is different. So uh, in, in a game like baseball, it's it's dangerous to try to extrapolate how the game would have ended but for a single play. 
in soccer, I think you kind of can do that. You know, mm-hmm. oh, if, if that yeah. goal had counted and everything else probably would have happened the same way, then it would have ended in a draw. I mean, why? There's so little scoring in events. You, that, know, yeah. you know, how different is, is Spurs going to play up 1-0? I mean, I guess they might have played more aggressively if it were tied and maybe gotten a second goal. Um, I, I don't think Fulham would have played any differently. Uh, being down one or tied. I don't think they would have suddenly turned into backing the bus up. I think it was pretty late, too. Wasn't it in the 60-something? Yeah, and so I I think that's a perfectly reasonable game to play of, oh, if this goal had had counted, then it would have ended in a draw. And if this had ended in a draw, then Fulham would, as we sit here right now, be out of the relegation zone. They absolutely would. And Brighton would be in the bottom three. As it stands right now, Brighton and Fulham are tied on points, but Brighton's got the edge on goal differential, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, So, you know, I think Brighton might have a game in hand, so there's still a lot of season left and all that. But still, I think it would matter a lot emotionally and mentally for the players on Fulham to get out of the relegation zone even for a week just to be able to like relax for a minute and and maybe have a positive take on the season because they've had a pretty good stretch here to get themselves to where they are so close to being out of the relegation zone versus to how this season started for them. Uh, my personal opinion is, is they're going to get out anyways. They've got time. They're on a really good trajectory. So, but Well, be good y- for that. Yeah, your point still stands. Yeah. So... Um, I didn't. I didn't get to what exactly IFAB's um, ruling was here. So they've announced this change to the handball law. Uh, I believe it's Law 12 uh, that a player will no longer be penalized if an accidental handball leads to a teammate scoring or having a goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, I think we've had this conversation before. This this idea of the accidental handball you know or you're using the word before deliberate i think that's deliberate, a, that's a yeah. better word because how many handballs are intentional like no one's trying to get a handball yeah. they're all accidents uh they may be accidents as a result of a deliberate move versus you know versus this is where my hand would naturally be right now given what i'm doing you know um so we're not here to necessarily quibble so much with the the verbiage that they're using, but but I think accidental there, um, a better choice of word, and at least how I'm going to interpret it is not it's not so much accidental as it is not deliberate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so surely Lamina's wrist being where it was, it was it was not a deliberate attempt to interfere with the ball. So if this rule had been in effect that match would have ended in a draw. Instead, this rule will not go into effect until until July 1st, meaning next season, meaning Fulham is SOL, meaning win for Spurs, <laughs> which, which again, I'm good with. Um, but uh, it, it, it is a shame. I mean, we were... We were fit to be tied at the beginning of the season when it seemed like every match had like four handballs and four penalty kicks as a result, and just things were out of hand. Oh yeah, we were poised to blow away the the goal scored record. Yeah. I mean. uh, so it just it, it 
seemed like they had this all under control, and I hadn't seen any handball or not handball calls that that really had had changed results as badly as this. Uh, Bamford just missed a uh, point-blank shot uh, that would have been helpful for our fantasy team as we sit here and watch the final 13 minutes of West Ham and Leeds. Um, So there was that. Oh, that reminds me. Um, Meant to mention this earlier, but although we will not be releasing this episode until tomorrow, March 9th, we are recording today on March 8th, uh, which is International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day to all uh, good day to tip the hat to those in uh, international and and national positions, uh, the women who, who hold roles of great import internationally and nationally, but also uh, the women close to our lives. So thank you, Mom, for everything. And um, I did want to mention that. So, Jared, you uh, uh, had told me that you had some... Uh, three-minute, four-minute matter you wanted to uh, bring to the table today. Just a quick observation. Um, Mike, are you following the Championship League at all currently? The the Championship? Yeah. Mm, I I glance at it maybe once every month, just the the table. So there's a team uh, there that is starting to run away with the league. I think they're 10 points clear now, so on order of Man City. Was it Norwich? It is Norwich. you know, they have a, a seven-game winning streak. Um, so barring a statistically unlikely collapse of some sort, it's looking like we're going to be seeing them again. Well, good uh, for them. You know, and I looked at the stats from their last game. They won 3-0, two goals by Pookie, one by Todd Cantwell. Those are literally the two players on Norwich I can name. I know he would kick my butt, but I just I can't help myself but chuckle at, at a name like Pookie. Pookie, yeah. <laughs> it's was a that, real name. And that, not, not that was Garfield's <laughs> Teddy Bear's name, I think. Um, but here's what I thought was interesting about this. So two years ago, they were in the Championship League. And they absolutely crushed it. First place, 96 points, uh, 27 wins against six losses. Goal differential, 36. Uh, domination by any definition of the word. Sure. They easily get promoted. Then last year, just a horrendous year in the bigs. Only 21 points, 13 fewer than the teams above them. Five wins against 27 losses. Goal differential of negative 49. They easily get relegated. Um now this year, they're back to domination, 76 points already, 23 wins against five losses, and they currently have that seven-game winning streak. So my point here is that they don't seem to have a correct league to belong to. <laughs> they should be <laughs> one you of know, those quadruple-A teams. Well, that's what I was saying. We have a we have a name for that in baseball. You right. know, players that are, are too good for triple-A but not good enough for the bigs, we call them 4A players. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on with them. Um, I'm interested to see what they're capable of next year if they're going to come up here and just get you know schlacked again but um it's just an interesting observation they seem to be ping-ponging so uh drastically and it's you know one would think that teams are you know are going to be in a subsequent season what they are in the current season and as we're seeing that just isn't the case Uh, i mean neither of us have a extensive uh history of watching premier league We, we don't claim anything different um but here we are in the second season that we've we've paid any attention to and you know just taking a team like let's two examples sheffield united who who can't uh you know score their way out of a paper bag is that an expression let's make it one it is now all right um 
you know, they suck. I'll make it easier. They, they suck. You would think that they, you know, found 11 guys in off the middle school team to be playing. They're just not good this year. Last year, they were in the top half of the table. They were, and at least they were here for two years, right? They were here for two consecutive years. Last year and this year. Yeah, okay, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and another example that uh, keeps coming up lately, uh, you, you had... Liverpool's barnstorming success last year where they could do no wrong and and now this year they're breaking records I mean not for for full-on mediocrity but they are they are currently in the midst of what what might validly be described as one of if not the lowest points of their history yeah I mean I I don't think I'm overselling it I'm sure they've had Worse cumulative seasons, but this stretch they're in right now is it's, just it's unfa- historically level. bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more detail on that uh, soon. But uh, so yeah, I think we're going to be seeing more of Norwich next year. And um, what about uh, what about the like the Bournemouth and uh, so Wat- who, who else went down? Watford. Watford is currently in second, but they're they're all pretty bunched up there. Uh, Bournemouth is actually seventh right now. So if, they wouldn't even make the playoff. Yeah, they wouldn't even make that little playoff to have a chance to come up. Hmm. All right. Well, that's. I kind of want. It's nice to have, you know, Norwich coming back, but I'd I'd like to see some of these other you know teams that we've heard about but not been able to watch. Yeah, I'm still rooting um, for Brentford. They're the ones that missed uh, the final with Fulham. So oh, they, right. They were just one step away from making yeah. it, and they didn't. And where are they currently? Uh, somewhere in three through five. So they'll All make right, that so tournament they, again. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, uh, so the bottom line is uh, Fulham got screwed. It was to the benefit of Spurs, so I'm not so upset about it. Uh, I'm pleased to see that the IFAB have changed the laws of the game to allow for uh, some sanity when I mean because the fact of the matter is that that kick by Sanchez into Lamina it, it really was like six feet away there was nothing Lamina could do about not it. a thing this is the absolutely nothing this is the inverse of the problem that everybody was identifying last fall with offensive players just blasting it into the wastes of defenders hoping to hit a hand so that they could get a penalty kick mm-hmm. you know this is this was a defender blasting it into the waist of a of an offensive player i don't think he was trying to get a handball call but um you know it was basically played out the same way so uh i'm glad to see that they've made this change okay with that uh we'll go ahead and take a break we've got a lot of scores to cover because we had midweek games last week and a full slate for this past weekend which technically isn't even over yet because West Ham and Leeds is still going on here. So uh, we will take our break, get you those scores and schedule for this upcoming week, and we will be right back. Here are your scores from some early games in Match Week 29 in the English Premier League. On Tuesday, Manchester City took down Wolves 4-1. Wednesday saw Burnley and Leicester play to a one-goal draw. Sheffield United got a rare win as they blanked Aston Villa 1-0, and Crystal Palace drew scoreless with Manchester United. On Thursday, Everton beat West Brom 1-0.
Chelsea topped Liverpool one goal to none, and Spurs beat Fulham one zip in their Match Week 33 contest. Match Week 27 started Saturday with Burnley and Arsenal playing to a one-goal draw. Southampton kept a clean sheet against Sheffield while they scored twice. It was a scoreless West Midlands derby between Villa and Wolves, and Leicester topped Brighton 2-1. On Sunday, West Brom and Newcastle failed to find the back of the net. Fulham shocked Liverpool with a 1-0 win at Anfield for the Reds' sixth straight home defeat. United handed City their first league loss since November in the Manchester Derby 2-0, and Spurs clobbered Crystal Palace 4-1. The week ended Monday as Chelsea topped Everton 2-0, which was the same score by which West Ham beat Leeds. On Wednesday, Man City hosts Southampton in their Match Week 33 contest. Match Week 28 kicks off Friday as Newcastle and Aston Villa meet at Villa Park. On Saturday, Leeds hosts Chelsea. West Brom visits Crystal Palace. Burnley heads Merseyside to meet Everton. And Man City heads to the capital to face off against a newly frisky Fulham squad. Sunday sees Southampton host Brighton. Sheffield meets Leicester at the KP. The North London Derby will feature Spurs facing off with Arsenal at the Emirates. And Manchester United will host West Ham. The week wraps up Monday when Liverpool visits Wolves. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back. So, Jared, we're going to cover some of uh, uh, the past week's games, and I think we were going to start with Sheffield and Aston Villa. Yeah, and I first wanted to mention that I was really confused by this week's game schedule. Um, I can understand why we might need to postpone matches and then make them up later. I have no idea, though, why we are pre-playing matches from match days 29 and 33. We're going so, into the future. I guess so. Um, we bring up the Wayback Machine every time we talk about something <laughs> historic. Why we don't need we? a future machine. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Sheffield uh, hosting Villa. So, Sheffield, they're still matching that Derby County uh, futility mark with 11 points on the season. Um, well, You mean they, going into this match? And going into oh, okay. this match, yeah. Um, they invoke hard mode for this one, uh, playing the final 40 minutes with a man down. Um, and on the Villa side, Grealish misses his third game in a row. Um, not good for a team that has him on their fantasy team. No. Had, not. I should say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we made some changes. Now, just to be clear, uh, how did that red card happen? Well, so uh, near the start of the second half, uh, Villa's El Ghazi has a pretty nice-looking open field opportunity and Phil Jagielka uh, for uh, Sheffield comes over from the side and pretty much plays all man, no ball, and El Ghazi hits the deck. Um, He's one of those old men that we talked about last week. He is. Um, so Not I, El Ghazi. Jul, uh, yeah, Jul, Jolka, whatever his name uh, is. <laughs> Phil. Let's call him Phil. 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 Uh, so a yellow card is issued uh, on the field, which VAR overturns for a red card, uh, and he's sent off for denying the clear scoring opportunity. Um, I should mention in the 30th minute, uh, McGoldrick, uh, with a one-timer, uh, kind of sneaks in into position behind the keeper for the easy tap-in. So Sheffield was actually leading this game 1-0 when the red card happened. Um, I just want to say, I think uh, McGoldrick is a completely underrated player. I mean, he's on a really bad team, but yeah. he seems to be a very decent player. And if you know Sheffield does find their way into the championship league next year, i got to think someone's going to try to pick him up. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works, but it could be. Um, and I also don't have any idea on um, like player salaries. 
Um, I, I've, I like to think I have a, have quite a good idea about fantasy salaries. Yeah. <laughs> given how much attention we put to it on our fantasy team, but for all I know, uh, you know, he might have some, you know, ridiculously high salary that he got just because of timing, and no one else is going to want to pick that up. Who knows? I, yeah. I still don't fully understand the whole loan loaning players, lending players. Um, you know, when players on loan, I don't fully get who's paying the bills. I assume yeah. the receiving team is paying the bills, but I don't know. I mean, it's not like I'm in a podcast where I should research these things before <laughs> I bring them up, right? I mean, it, it's just hey, we're just having fun. The sort here, of things right? that we <laughs> throw off, <laughs> throw out off the top of our head. Yeah, they yeah. ought to pay this guy. Buzz you later, or you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? So Sheffield's got to, uh, they've got the lead, but they've got a pretty big hill to climb to keep this one in the uh, W column, but they do hang on, uh, 1-0 over Villa. So that's three points for them, and the potential for tying Darby County is gone. Um, so. I know that uh, you were really looking forward to the the, the futility, yeah, the, the, the record-setting futility. You now, know, are they still in line for, what's it, like goals or something? Uh, so goals are at 16 right now. I think that was 20. But I got to think they're probably going to win two more games, maybe score 10. I really think they're just going to disappear into the, rank, the ranks of forgettably bad. That's sort of my. Yeah, you're, I think you're probably right. And I haven't. Uh, I, I was more looking at Fulham's positioning in the relegation zone, um, but not so much taking in West Brom's relative points to Sheffield. I know that that. The Sam Allardyce effect is not really kicking in for West Brom like they had hoped. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Sheffield, I mean, I think Sheffield's at 14, and you said that uh, Fulham and Brighton are tied at 26, 26. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're 12 out. I mean, Sheffield's going down. West Brom's probably going to be in that mid-teens, mid, mid to latter teens. So, they've got to be, uh, I think they're going to be going too. But I think that third relegation spot is going to be a, uh, a big battle there towards the end, so that'll yeah. be pretty exciting. And as we brought up maybe a week or two ago, one of the cool things about it is we're talking about how Brighton is at 17, and that that's the team that that Fulham's you know aiming for. Newcastle's at 16, and not that far apart. The season ends with Fulham playing Newcastle. That'll be a good match. Yeah. So if only there was some sort of electronic device one could use to look up the table as we're trying to figure this out. Okay, here we go. Um, so Sheffield's at 14 points, West Brom's at 18 points, Fulham's at 26, okay. as is Brighton, Newcastle's at 27. Um, both Brighton and Newcastle have games in hand, though. So when, okay. you're, when yeah. you're dealing with that, you know, where one point can be the difference, yeah. you know, a simple draw, that could do it. Um. So we also had uh, West Brom hosting Everton. So this was a pretty evenly matched game stats-wise. I think we wanted to bring this up because our fantasy opponent had Richarlison. Um, in the 65th minute, uh, Sigurdsson to Richarlison for the header, and uh, Everton has the 1-0 lead. That was four straight contests uh, with a goal for Richarlison. Yes, and this was for last week's fantasy match week when two Everton games counted towards the fantasy yes. match week, meaning that richarlison has got a goal in his last four. Half of those games are when a fantasy team that's playing us has Richarlison on their team. Um, yeah. Everybody hates us. Everybody does. 
Um, Dianya seems to equalize for West Brom well into endgame stoppage time, but the flag goes up for offsides, and VAR confirms he is offsides by about three-quarters of a foot. Uh, but that's three, uh, three wins in a row for Everton, so they're still doing pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I just didn't notice because coming out of this weekend, I th- uh, what are they? They're like fifth. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Everton's back up here. I kind of missed that. I mean, I, we all remember how they were at the top of the table, but everybody was at the top of the table at some point this year. I always uh, mentally have them in eighth, ninth. That's, that's yeah, you know, exactly. So. That's where I always think they are. But no, they're they're of late doing better. So congratulations to them. Yeah. Um, we also had Liverpool hosting Chelsea, so unfortunately for Liverpool, this was all Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea had five times the shots on goal. Liverpool just cannot get it together here. Um, possession was down to half for them, which is very un-Liverpool-like. Um, Chelsea has the early 1-0 lead wiped off by VAR for offsides, and just before halftime, Mason Mount from the 18-yard line beats Allison far post for the only goal of the game. Uh, 1-0 is the final for Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel stays undefeated at the helm. So, still is, an interesting play. He is know? pushing all the right buttons. Yeah. Uh, another clean sheet for Mendy. Um, boy, he is one of the few things going right for yeah. fantasy consistently <laughs> uh, right now. <laughs> and at the time, that was five straight home uh, losses for Liverpool. Um, just really inconceivable yeah. at this point. Stay tuned. Yeah. I mean, I just, and in fact, I couldn't even remember if, if that game was at Stamford Bridge or at Anfield. It was at Anfield. Uh, yeah. So that was the midweek Liverpool match. And then they've got a weekend match also at Anfield against Fulham, at which time I'm sure they'll right the ship. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to Saturday in uh, match week 27. Um, Brighton hosting Leicester. So it actually looked like Brighton was going to poss- possibly take this one. Um, in the 10th minute, Adam Lalana scores ultimately off of a Leicester throw-in for the easy one, uh, early 1-0 Brighton lead, and it would stay that way for quite a while. Um, right before halftime, and I always mess up this name, is it Ihea Nacho? Oh, um I, th- I think you just sort of say it really fast. Ayanacho. Ayanacho. Um, uh, Tumope sequence seems to find the net until the flag goes up. Um, until this, uh, around the 60th minute, though, Lester finally wakes up. Uh, Ayanacho uh, equalizes the game and at the end of regulation, a corner to an uncovered Amarte for an easy header, and Lester comes from behind to take this one 2-1. to one. So... And Thielman's got an assist on one of those goals. He did, yeah. So. New, newly acquired on our fantasy team, yes. so that was that was one one good decision. You yes. made you made a good defense defender decision um, with respect to keeping Cody in. Um, yeah, that actually worked out much better than I had even hoped. That worked out great. <laughs> it's the beauties of a nil nil game. Yes. Um, now the one takeaway I had from that Brighton Leicester game is after just months of dreary England looking weather at these games where it's just pouring down rain on these poor guys in t-shirts and shorts in like 40 degree weather it was brilliant sunlight down at the beach for that Brighton game and that's great yeah I was I was jealous I wish we had some of that here yeah exactly um and I think I read this right. Brighton only has one home win in 14 tries this year. Ooh. I mean, can you that's not good. That is not good at all. Um, it's, again, I don't. 
whether it, you got that example, you obviously got the inconceivable Liverpool situation. Manchester United is on just a blitz of away wins yeah. this year. I th- so you don't have the natural home field advantage of fans, uh, which is a real thing. Um, what could be happening here is if you don't have the home field advantage because there's no fans around, perhaps the visiting team has an advantage because they're not home. And and when I say home, I don't mean their home stadium. I mean home home where, uh, you know. Distractions. Distractions. I mean, they obviously love love their family. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they're not getting woken up at 2 in the morning by the crying baby. Nope. Because they're sleeping in a hotel room waiting for tomorrow's match. That that's, could, that's not a bad analysis there. I, you know. Something's got to explain it because it's it's happening with a, a little bit of consistency. Um, but who knows? Yeah. Um, then we move on to Sunday. Uh, Liverpool hosting Fulham. So we kind of... Uh... Oh, I had one other thing I wanted to... I'm sorry. One other thing sure. I wanted to mention in addition to the fact that Thielman's assist was good for us on our fantasy team. If you watch it really carefully... It was it was like a Patrick Mahomes no look pass. He was looking away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he was nice. looking away from where he passed it, which was pretty badass. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. Um, Liverpool hosting Fulham. This was Sunday. So Fulham is, you know, we've been talking about. They're making this move to avoid relegation after being really bad for most of the season. Uh, Liverpool's just trying to pull the rip cart, rip cord here any way they can. Um, both teams with only three shots on goal in this one. Um, Liverpool, they were back up to that two-thirds possession, which is more indicative of uh, you know when they're playing at a normal level. Right. Um, Klopp was really trying to mix it up, though. A lot of normal starters like uh, Mane, Fabinho, and a- Alexander-Arnold started on the bench. Mm. Um, ultimately, though, this lineup didn't do much better. Um, Right before halftime, a Fulham free kick is successfully defended, but Lamina gets the rebound and beats Allison to the far post for a really nice strike uh, for the 1-0 Fulham lead. Liverpool did have a few opportunities, but uh, 1-0 Fulham is the final in this one. Uh, This was only Fulham's second win ever at Anfield, Uh, and that's the sixth straight EPL home loss for Liverpool. Just... I don't even know how to describe the level of play or what they're experiencing right now. Yeah, Um, I mean... I uh, I try to sort of keep a diary, for lack of a better word, taking notes through the course of the week of sort of interesting tidbits from matches. So last week, I'm writing down in my book, first time Liverpool lo- loses five straight at home ever. And they are winless in their last seven home matches. I then had to amend that. Yes. To say first time Liverpool lost six straight at home ever. Yeah. And now winless in their last eight home matches. Um, and again, no need to amend this stat because it just is what it is. They are the first defending champions to lose five straight at home. Wow, that's that's amazing. And they have now lost six straight at home. I remember when they had lost four in a row at home for the first time since 1923, and that was a big deal. Do you remember how shocked we were when they lost to Watford last year? Yes. <laughs> That was huge How is this the same team? I don't know. Personnel-wise, with the exception of Virgil van Dijk, and again, I I refuse to believe van Dijk is the cause of all this. It can't be. It can't just be him. Um, But other than that, they are the same team. You know, 
they haven't had these big injuries that that other teams have like dealt with and overcome. You know, like Danny Ings got hurt and is now back. Vardy got hurt and is now back. You know, yeah. Liverpool didn't lose Salah. Um, like they didn't lose Mane. Uh, did they lose Alexander Arnold a little bit? Was there a time? Maybe he wasn't for a week or three. I you don't know, know. It's just I don't get it. And, and you add on to it, like every now and then, Allison does something bonkers. Oh yeah, like coming way out yeah. and doing something weird. So yeah. I just they're not they're not playing like they did last year. That that is my high end analysis because I can't come up with much else. I mean, you said it. They they had the ball for two thirds of the game. Yeah. You know, hey, all the credit in the world to Fulham, and they played hard. And they're not giving up on this season, and they deserve the win. I just don't get what's going on with Liverpool. No. And, and this is beyond – I mean, the whole theory of, you know, well, if you're at home, then you're in your house and, you know, the 2 a.m. baby waking up thing. Hey, I think after three home losses, if that really were an issue, they'd be staying in hotels at that yes. point. It's like, hey, hey you know – Jurgen Klopp, you got to Liverpool reserve. Hyatt. Yeah, let's, you let's do it. Got to get a floor at the uh, at the the Ramada down the street. <laughs> as uh, long as it's not the same one that uh, Danny Tartable complained about George reserving for the Yankees in that Seinfeld episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you the one that put us or in that was, Ramada? Ooh, was it Danny Tartable or Paul O'Neill who complained about the Ramada? Ah, oh, this is gonna kill me. Oh, like one of them complained about the wool uniforms. That uh, were itchy. Oh no! Wait a minute. It Paul was Bur- I think it was Jeter or Bernie Williams. Remember, because they mm. were. Well, yeah. I'm really. I'm kind of liking the Jeter pull on that. Yeah, because now I'm thinking Paul O'Neill didn't talk to George. Paul O'Neill talked Talk to, to Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. Right. How'd you get in here <laughs> anyway? Wait, where'd you get? T- home runs are hard. And where'd you get two? All right. Um, that was quite a diversion. Yeah, it was. Uh, Manchester Derby. Um, so Man United's coming into uh, this one, and they've been involved in three straight nil-nil draws. Um, this one, thankfully, did not end in a nil-nil draw. Um, Man City had three times the shots as Man United. Let's see if that translates to score, though. Um, almost instantly, and I mean 30 seconds in, uh, Martial is taken down by Jesus right inside the penalty box uh, for the foul and the penalty kick. Bruno Fernandez is called on to take it and converts, and just like that, millions of Man City defender fantasy holders suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Well, including us, yeah. we two of our well, defenders yes, are I Man know. City defenders. Because yeah. um, you know, if you don't get the clean sheet, then you know basically you're you're praying that your defender gets the one defender goal that happens you know every three months. Yeah. Um, clean sheet vaporized faster than Alderon. Um, at the <laughs> too st- soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> At the start of the second half, uh, Man United increased their lead, uh, lead uh, to two on a nice far post roller from Luke Shaw. 2 0 is the final in this one. Um, Ole Gunnar becomes the first ever uh, United manager to win his first three derbies at Man City. Um, so, congratulations to him. Very good. I had that note on my little diary here. Uh, also, the first time that Man City has conceded two goals since November 21st. Ooh. Against. Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, And I actually thought it was um, maybe time to start talking magic numbers a little bit. Um, Oh. Just to refresh the topic from last year, the magic number is calculated by uh, three times the games left for the second-place team 
minus the differential and current points for both teams plus one. So Man United is in second place. They have 10 games left. Uh, Man City has 65 points. Man United has 54. So that's three times 10 uh, is 30. Minus 11 is 19. Plus one is 20. So <laughs> There's no way anyone is following Well, that. anyways. So Man City's magic number, though, to clinch is 20. So seven wins would do it. So uh, six just wins and two draws. So. Six wins by Man City. Yeah. Yeah. Because basically what you're calculating is if you if you suggest that Manchester United were to win out every match they have left, win out and get three points for every match they have left, whatever point total that is, okay, how many points does Man City need to eclipse that by just one? Just to usurp it by one, yeah. And I guess, you know, divide whatever that number is by three or something to suggest how many games they would have to win, you know, how many three points per would they need in order to, to beat that, so... Uh, I yeah. like Man City's chances. At this yeah, point, I, I think they, yeah. I think they're in good form, as they say. Yeah. Um, but this does bring to an end uh, the 20 straight wins in all comps for Man City. Um, it means Manchester United has now gone 22 away fixtures without a defeat. That's amazing. It is, yeah. and, and again, it's it's this whole you know with the crazy COVID stuff. Uh, do teams actually? I, I think it's a little strong to say teams have an advantage being on the road, but, you know, maybe there's... I mean, it looks that way. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Well, or maybe just another way to put it is it's not so much that you have an advantage on the road, it's that you don't have all of uh, the advantages you ordinarily would have at home. And so any of the things about home that can make it more difficult are going to be have a greater factor than they otherwise would. I don't know. Yeah. But... So what other... Uh, I think we were just we going to talk Spurs. about yeah Tottenham uh, hosting Crystal Palace, so we have the Tottenham two-step uh, to contend with um, and our fantasy opponent. Um, so that means that our opponent has uh, Harry Kane and Son Heung-min on their fantasy team, which is something that w- we seemed to run into all a, the time, a lot more at yeah. the beginning of the season when those guys were scoring goals like gangbusters. Uh, I guess a lot of the other teams have, have sort of backed off on that. Maybe have one or the other, but we haven't seen the pairing. Both in a while. Thus the Tottenham two-step in a while, but our opponent this week does have him. And therefore, <laughs> a good sign for Spurs winning this match. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham hasn't lost to Crystal Palace at home in 23 years. Did I read that correctly? Oh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't catch that stat, so that's a good one. Um this one was all Spurs. Uh, Gareth Bale has another brace. Uh, that's two braces in three games for him. Uh, both his goals were assisted by Harry Kane. Harry Kane also has a brace of his own. Uh, the first goal, just a beautiful far corner bender. Um, and 4-1 is the final here. So the Tottenham two-step uh, final tallies, two goals and three <laughs> assists. Not good for Not us. good for us. At all. <laughs> Now, do we know where that term for for scoring two goals in a match, brace, where well, that comes from? Sounds like someone getting injured. I mean, but, I, yeah. I, mean I don't know why I, I find it any more curious than hat trick. Like, what the hell does hat trick have to do with three goals? Like, I don't, I guess I've just heard hat trick for much longer uh, because of hockey. Um, but brace. Yeah, I, I, actually, ha- a uh, hat trick is something I've heard about for decades. Brace is something I feel like I found out 
yeah, you couple of months soccer. ago. Yeah. So guys must have scored two goals in a game. And they never said anything never about did. a brace. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah. uh, so um, Harry Kane becomes the first Spurs player with two goals and two assists in a game since uh, somebody who I didn't know was a former Spurs player. So what kind of Spurs fan am I? Jurgen Klinsmann did it in 1999. Jared, who is Jurgen Klinsmann? Uh, he was a Spurs player that had two goals <laughs> and two assists in 1999. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> he also has not been in your kitchen. Yes. Um, well, th- yes, that is all true, and there's certainly more to him than than I was aware of him for. I mean, again, th- never been a soccer fan until you know a year and a half ago, but I at least had heard of him um, because from. 2011 through 2016, he was the uh, head coach, manager, whatever they call it, of the United States men's national team. I did not know that, and he, I feel like I should have. Well, the only reason that I like ever came across his name during that time is not because of any great success by the men's national team, certainly not. Um, I can't articulate any of the controversies, to, to talk like the Brits. <laughs> Um, but I think he is a, a bit controversial. You know, he might be one of these sort of blowhard types who doesn't make any friends in the media, and so therefore the media, media will, you know, crucify him anytime he does anything wrong. Um, but, but you know, he seems to – he's had several managerial gigs, which of course can suggest that perhaps he can't stay in one place for long because he wears out his welcome. Um, certainly possible, but – you know, again, it's not like I, I, I work on a soccer podcast in which I should research these things ahead of time. Uh, I just guess about what uh, what could be. No, I, I do know that he was the head coach of the men's national team. So he was there uh, during the 2014 World Cup. He would have been their yes. manager? Yeah. Wow. I watched a lot of that World Cup, too. This I, is a I can't remember a lick of it. How did the U.S. do? Not very well. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think they got it. Oh wait, did they get out of the group stage? I think they got out of the group stage and then lost in one of the first uh, elimination games. Okay. Um, so interesting um, statistic with respect to Arsenal. So Arsenal had uh, their match with Burnley. Uh, was that the weekend or maybe? yeah that was the weekend game with that horrible calamitous defense and the, and the one Chris one. Wood, yeah and the Chris Wood hip shot yeah so uh, when is the last time Arsenal lost at Turf Moor Burnley's home stadium well, okay so it was a draw this weekend so I I just I would say it was a very long a time Premier ago. League match I would say it was a very long time ago since you're asking the question well <laughs> that may be. I mean, it probably wasn't 2017. It that's, was not 2017. Yeah, that's not a very interesting answer. I, I mean, I would say something like uh, 95. Okay. It was 1973. Okay. Yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> it's a long time ago. And just a little shocking to me. I mean, Liverpool just lost a Fulham, for crying out loud, at home. Yeah. I mean, like, I one. it's one of these things where I'd like to know how many of those years, I mean, that was, what, 46? Seven years ago, how many of those years were they was, both in the league? Yeah. You know? Arsenal, I'm sure, was in the league the entire time. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a fair point um, because I think um, one of the things that uh, is it Sean Dyche? Is he the uh, 
manager at Burnley. Like, he's the guy that looks like he's a UFC fighter. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with him. No. Um, I want to say he gets a lot of credit because he might have he might have taken them from League One all the way up. Um, you know, good on him. We'll, we'll ding yeah. or buzz that, but um, he certainly got him out of the championship into the Premier League, and so um, you know he gets he gets a lot of credit for that. You know, mm, I'm I'm talking myself out of it. I. It might have been the Bournemouth guy who took Bournemouth from League One up all, to all the way up. League and then back. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll answer this question with the buzzes and beeps. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to answer these these things that we just conjure up as questions without answers during the show. So. <laughs> With that, we will wrap things up. Appreciate you tuning in. We don't have a show if not for you, so thank you for listening. Again, happy International Women's Day, and we hope you uh, join us next week. We'll have another batch of games to go through, a um, couple extra. We got uh, there's at least one Wednesday game. Uh, what is that coming up? Manchester yeah, City and Man Southampton. Southampton, yeah. Is that, uh, is that a makeup game, or is that like match week 37? Or something. Are we stepping into the. I need to look at that, but yeah, it's definitely Wednesday. I know that. Hopping into the DeLorean and going into the future again. <laughs> well, one way or another, there will be more than 10 matches at least uh, for us to look back on. And we hope you join us for that experience. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk at you next time. Have a good week, everybody.